baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. The game may be over, but they are just getting started. Raw and unfiltered, this is the OU Insider staff, and this is the Under the Visor postgame podcast. Welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. And as cheesy as that was, Oklahoma won. They won a game 28-13. Bedlam is the Sooners trophy or whatever they the Bedlam trophy is theirs now. And it is uh, Parker's about to fall asleep because it is literally two o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> I'm hanging in there. I just uh, I tell you what, Oklahoma did their best to put me to sleep over the last three quarters of that football game because of their victory. I went and dug one of these things out of the back of the cabinet. Um, <laughs> the coffee. I'm drinking coffee. You can't see it's an OU coffee cup. I think that I've had this thing probably for about 15 years or so, and I haven't used it in forever since I basically started working in this industry. I kind of got rid of a lot of this stuff or put it in the back. But since Oklahoma doesn't win very often this year, I brought it out, especially since it was a top 25 win over their arch rival. Congrats to the Sooners. Congrats, Oklahoma fans. A win's a win. A win's a win's a win's a win. As boring as the last two and a half quarters were, and the first quarter and a half was freaking awesome. It was fun to watch. There was a lot going on. I just like this. This team is so bizarre, Brandon. They're so bizarre. Jekyll and Hyde, baby. I cannot figure out for the life of me what this team's identity is. (laughs) They are in, they are by no measure and in no sense consistent. They scored 28 points in the first quarter of that football game and then didn't sustain a drive longer than two minutes Mm -hmm. of clock time for the remainder of the game. Minute 43, I believe, was the last, was the longest drive that they had. How does that Uh, happen? And who does that happen to but Oklahoma in 2022? Uh, Yeah. I really don't know, man. Like, I, I, 
Well, uh, you know what? I do know. I do know. And, and I, you know, Venables was asked how that happened like 10 times during the presser. I asked how, why, how they drop passes so much. And how do you get the other guys from like, cause it, it seems like it went from Mims to Farouk. And now Stoops has it a little bit. The last, like he dropped a couple of balls, uh, later on in the game. And it was like one ended up being interception and people are going to say it was a bad pass. It wasn't that far behind him. It was behind him, but he got both hands on it and literally looked like he was like, you know what? It's behind me. F it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get clobbered if I, if I turn my whole back. And so he just popped the ball straight up and that that's on the receiver. If it hits your hands, it's on you. And that's spoken as an ex receiver. So, if it touches your fingers, you should have caught it, is what my coaches would always tell me. Exactly. So uh, it, it it's become an epidemic, bro. Like, literally with the drops, it's – and they're at the worst times. It's always on a third and damn ten, bro. It's like third and eight, third and five, third and ten. Throw pass, drop ball. And they're first downs. They catch it their first downs. Some of them were touchdowns if they catch it. And I'm not specifically talking tonight. I'm talking about all through the season. If Oklahoma's receivers could be just, ooh, if they could just be consistent any which way this year. This team is 8-2. and two, Maybe 9-1. and one Because, think about the TCU game. Go back and watch the first half. Mims dropped a touchdown. Farouk dropped one. Mims Jane Gibson fumbled. dropped one. Huh? Mims fumbled on the second play. And Mims finish. fumbled inside the 10. It, it wasn't inside the 10. It was just right off the bat on the very first drive. I thought it was on the plus side. I'm thinking of... No, I'm confusing actually tonight. This is how yeah, late it Braden is. Braden Willis Braden Willis. I'm confusing. That was the thing. There you go. That's another... What the hell? Like, <laughs> I know he was trying to make a play. I get it. But, bro, live to fight another day. You didn't have to go like you were a bulldozer. It was, well, and I'll say this. It was a good defensive play. The it was a great a defensive play, ball. but Parker, he didn't really do anything that any other defender normally does when a trains coming through you get down low and you just pray to god that you can wrap up both both legs and he did and it just so happened the helmet the tip of the helmet just and i just hit my head really hard bounced the ball <laughs> <laughs> i did not mean to do that bounced the ball right off and it just like skirts out it hit it hit his helmet so hard that that thing shot out like a missile it went like another what 10 yards forward before they recovered it thing was rolling dude and it's just like It goes back to that gif that I put last week where they, the little kid just shot himself in the pee-pee, and that's what Oklahoma does all the time. They just go, you know what? What's this little gun here? This looks like fun. I'm having a good time. Might as well screw up that good time. You're up 28-0. You're about to go up 35 nothing. That fumble actually changed the whole dynamic, and I actually turned to the uh, – I sat right next to the ESPN – uh, stats guy. So I got some cool stats that I tweeted out the whole time because the dude's just over there, just like 
throwing him out like crazy, like bam, bam, bam. I basically set my bear off of uh, game day. Like the dude was just like a stat whiz. And he was like, yeah, man, tweet it out. I don't care. Like, cool. You know, I was like, this is freaking awesome. Mike, set me next to these dudes every freaking home game. <laughs> um, But like I turned to him and I go, you watch. This is going to turn the game on its head. And Oklahoma State's going to come back. No, I was wrong on that. But it did turn turn the game on its head because Oklahoma looked like a completely different team afterwards. And offensively. Done, they, offensively. Because they mounted another touchdown drive after that. <laughs> right, but it was like, I, I guess they were about to go up 28. But but it, it changed the flow of the game. It looked like Oklahoma was going to dominate. And everything that they did was turning into a first down. After that, it was like it was more of a struggle. It didn't come as easy, if that makes sense. But on the flip side, Parker. Been waiting on that one, Brandon. The defense. Been waiting damn. on a defensive performance like that one. <laughs> that 19, was the one you've been waiting nine, on. 19 possessions and one touchdown. Holy crap. That that looked like a Brent Venables defense right there. <laughs> Whoa, bro. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 19 possessions. One I wish people could wrap their head. Like, I don't think a lot of people realize that because you get a lot of people saying the defense played great at times and okay at others. Shut up. One touchdown in 19 possessions. Yeah. Well, and again, it comes down to watching the game versus just looking at the box score, right? Because if you just look at the box score, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State actually outgained Oklahoma did. in this football game. Um, but all those yards added up to nothing when every single time Oklahoma State got to the plus side of the field, the Sooners tightened up. Whether that took the form of a sack or an interception <laughs> or an offensive penalty that moved them out of favorable field position. Yep. It seemed like every single time Oklahoma state crossed the 50, there was some sort of adverse consequence that wasn't far off from occurring. And Brandon, the Sooners did so many things tonight that we've just not seen them do the entirety of conference play. And then all of a sudden here you are one game from the finish line and it all comes together. They pressured the quarterback. They kept Spencer Sanders on his toes. They kept him flustered for the entirety of the game. They did not let up. They brought the heat, and they kept the heat on Spencer Sanders. I don't know offhand how many sacks they had in that game, but they had quite a few. Six. Six sacks? Mm -hmm. There you go. Six sacks. 13 tackles for loss, six sacks. I just That's off the top of the head. Is that more sacks than they'd had in the entirety of Big 12 play to this point? Because I want to say that until today, they had five total sacks in Big 12 play. Mm, five sacks. No, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. Because they had... They had... Um, I know for a fact they had none over the first three games of conference play. Correct. But they've had a couple of games where they've had like two or three sacks. There was one they had four, if I remember right, because we even talked about it. We're like, wow, they had a lot of sacks that game. I have to look, man. You may be right. It just seems like that, that just seems like so off. Yeah, but the point is, 
six sacks for this program, that's out of the blue right there. Yeah. Four interceptions for this program. And not that they have that, not that they haven't forced turnovers, not that they've been devoid of takeaway propensities, but four picks in the same game, that hasn't been the norm for this team. And all of a sudden, it just seemed like, and I don't know whether it had to do with the fact that there was revenge on a lot of these players' minds after what happened last year, not only in that game in Stillwater, but everything that came afterward. I don't know if that played into it. I don't know if it was just that this team finally woke up and realized, you know what? If we don't figure this thing out, then we're not going to be playing in a bowl game, and that's unacceptable at the University of Oklahoma. Regardless of the motive behind it all, that was as complete a defensive performance from Oklahoma as we have seen in a long time, yeah. Brandon. That was their best defensive performance of the season, and it's not close. It's not remotely close. No, you're right. I'm I'm over here trying to look at um, the stats for the sacks and see. So they had one versus Kansas. They had one for Iowa State. So three. They have five. They have six. How many did you say they had in a conference play? I believe, if my memory serves me correctly, they had five sacks in conference play coming into today. They actually, (laughs) unless I don't know how to count, they actually have six going into this game. Okay, so they equaled. In one game, they equaled their sack total in conference play to this point in the season, and that covers seven games. So, yeah, that is across correct. seven games, the Sooners managed six sacks, yeah. and then in 60 minutes on Saturday night in Bedlam, they added six more. And the weird part Again, is, I, is before, before Big Twelve conference play, you, how many sacks do you think Oklahoma had? Uh, they had quite a few. They had quite a few in non-con. I, I, I believe it was 12, 13. 13. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah. yeah, they were one of the top sack uh, programs. I think they were number one going into conference play, and then all of a sudden it just went. So, yep. No, you're you're spot on, Parker. It it uh it seemed that just seemed like such a wild stat, bro. Like just it didn't seem fathomable because they get to the quarterback so much. And and I think it's because if you go back and you look at a lot of the sacks that Oklahoma has has had, they haven't counted because the penalty came <laughs> along with it. Yeah, that's very <laughs> that's true. happened so many times this year. Isaiah Coe. Our Mason Thomas, Jalen Redmond. I can think of three off the top of my head in three different games, and I know there's been more than that. Yeah. Well, and like again, Spencer Sanders. (laughs) Spencer Sanders is not an easy quarterback to sack either. So, you know, it's not like it's not like the Sooners just got lucky tonight. 
Like this was a reinvigorated defensive effort. Yeah. Especially up front. And I don't know where it came from, Brandon. I was not expecting that. If Oklahoma was going to win that football <laughs> game, I would have figured Eric Gray ran for 250 yards and we had the Dylan Gabriel Renaissance game. Yeah, but, you know, we say we don't know where it came from, but when you look back, go back and think of the Baylor game. Because remember the Baylor game, you and I literally said to each other because they went up against the the program that had, and by the way, that TCU-Baylor game, wow. Wow. What a crazy game. We can talk about that later if we if we have time. But um, if we have energy, yeah, that's, that, probably that's more actually accurate. a better way to put it. Yeah, fair enough. 2 a.m. podcasts are, are for the birds. But uh, yeah, so remember the Baylor game we were talking about because they went up against the six, all, all, their, their whole offensive line are a bunch of six year seniors, right? And they got they got to the quarterback quite a bit. And so I, you know, they just, they just couldn't connect. And I think that was something that we discussed in that game where, um, a lot of the time we, uh, we were talking about how shaping was running around and they were having to use the run game to kind of slow down Oklahoma's, defensive line rush that game because they were getting back there that's the first game that we started seeing outside of kansas well i guess it was kansas where we started seeing it It started getting a little better and then a little better against iowa state because the iowa state game the defensive front played really well and then baylor they played a little bit better but not as good as they did against iowa state they were just gassed by the time Remember, we talked about that by the time Baylor game ended. The defensive front was just gassed. Uh, Danny Stutzman was gassed. Aguebu was gassed. And then rinse, wash, repeat. It happened all over again at West Virginia where they were just gassed. I don't know how, honestly. What did they say? The defense was out there 112 plays today? Is that correct? Was that Was that? I think you muted yourself. But... I think you muted yourself. Dang it. I was on such a roll, too. Keep going, man. Um, just, just say it again. <laughs> Same vigor and everything. Your face uh, looked like up you were on the really wrong end of the it. mute button at 2 a.m. This is how it goes. But no, like that's maybe the most impressive aspect of this defensive performance is that they were on the field a ton out of necessity because yeah. the Oklahoma offense wasn't sustaining drives. And so I think if you look at the time of possession battle, 37 minutes to 22 minutes. Yeah. It's pretty dang close to a 40, 20 split in terms of time of possession in (laughs) Oklahoma state's favor. So we talked about how it seemed like in weeks past, Oklahoma's defense had simply run out of steam down the stretch, run out of energy, wilted as it were. Right. You would have expected that, if there was any night where something like that was going to happen, it would be a night like tonight where they're on the field for upwards of a hundred snaps and nearly 40 minutes of clock time, but it didn't, it yeah. didn't, they held out and there were some very impressive individual performances. Deshaun white, 102 plays, by the way, is how long the defense was out there. 102, not 112 still Deshaun white 
played one of his best games as a Sooner. He did. Today. He played great. He played a phenomenal football game. C.J. Colden, again, I feel like we're name-dropping that dude every week. Mm-hmm. And now leads the team with three interceptions. He's a ball hawk, and more than that, he just makes plays. Whether in coverage or in run support, wherever you stick him on the field, that dude's making plays. And that's the reason why he's worked his way into the starting lineup over the last couple of weeks. Finally, yep. and I asked Ted Roof about it in postgame, and he said, look, that was a guy that at the beginning of the year was not satisfied with his role <laughs> because his background, obviously, he came to Oklahoma after five seasons at Wyoming, and he was the toast of the town in Laramie. He was the defensive standout up there. Well, he shows up to Oklahoma. He's not playing right off the bat. He's buried on the depth chart. But talking to Ted Roof about the way that C.J. Colden has grown and has improved, that was one of the things that Roof really highlighted was he wasn't satisfied with his role, but he also made that determination that he was going to work to change that. And he has Mm -hmm. over the course of the season. And started to see him around game four or five, started to pick up a few more snaps here and there to the point where a month, month and a half later, this guy may be like, if not for Billy Bowman, who, by the way, made a beautiful, beautiful play on the ball. So, hey. Oh, oh my goodness. If you're Peyton Bowen and you see that, are you not thinking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and l- yeah. L- not to com- not to completely divert my train of thought there because want to want to give flowers to C.J. Colden because he's been one yeah. of the most consistent no defensive players that Oklahoma has had all season to this point. And uh, what's impressive is that he's really only been on the field in meaningful situations for about half the season. Mm-hmm. But Billy Bowman, bro, that play that he made to pick off Spencer Sanders. That was clinical. That was textbook. Yeah, He baited Spencer Sanders into making that throw, had him convinced for all the world that that play was going for a touchdown, and then it was effortless. The way that he accelerated, closed on that ball, took a perfect angle, secured the interception. I mean, oh my goodness, Brandon. That was one of the most flawless, technically sound plays i have seen from an oklahoma football player and i don't know how long yeah he's the best safety in the big 12 i don't think it's close like honestly. that that play sums up how special billy bowman is as a football player right there mm-hmm. i could watch the re and i probably will when i go back and cut the all 22 i will probably watch that play <laughs> 40 times over just because it's that gorgeous yeah well you're going to like it from the view because I had the all 22 view from where I was sitting uh-huh. in the press box. And even I said, touchdown. Because when he threw it, I was like, oh my God, yeah. there was a bust. No, it wasn't <laughs> a bust. He was baiting Spencer Sanders. And that's like, exactly just throw, see, just throw it. I know the play you're running. Throw the damn ball and watch what's yeah. about to happen. And we we had the exact same thought because I was down there on the sideline that I and I can't remember who the Oklahoma State receiver was that was running wide open, but he's streaking open, running right past me, and I see him tearing for the end zone. And I'm like, oh boy, well that's going to be a score. <laughs> and then here comes Billy Bowman swooping in. God, I mean, 
he he's stupid good and that's what i'm talking about like if you if you're if you're peyton bowen how can you not look at that and go the denton the denton boys could be back there just having a good old time in 2023 man they really could like he both those dudes back there i'm i know i know billy bowman's probably gonna be gone after next year like he's that good i mean not probably he's gonna be gone after next year he's that good unless unless he wants to stick around one more year with his girlfriend that because she's got the covid extra year so she can Mm -hmm. play one one more year Mm-hmm. Which would be his senior year, which would be her super senior year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which I bet you she does, number one, number two, which would make it interesting for him, unless he's a guaranteed first round pick, which he's not a guaranteed first rounder yet. Got yet. a long way to go before. Yeah, we get he does. To that he's got a long way to go. He's got a lot of growing up to do and stuff like that. And that's another year away. I get it. But we're talking hypotheticals. Could you imagine two years of Peyton Bowen and Billy Bowman at safety for Oklahoma? I mean, I just and I look Cheetah at Oklahoma with Justin Harrington. Yeah, Holy and I just crap. I, I look at Oklahoma's safety room next year, and it's not to take anything oh, yeah, away from any of the other RSJ. guys in that room. But like Peyton Bowen is probably going to play a substantial amount next year. <clears throat> but when you factor in RSJ alongside Billy Bowman, McCarty especially Vickers. with another year in the system. You bring in Macari Vickers. McCarty? As well. Oh, oh man. There is going to be talent aplenty in the back end of that Oklahoma secondary. Yeah, that's, that, that's not... the safety spot got flipped upside down, didn't it? <laughs> I, I mean, it did. It went from being for years. Remember Grinch? came in and we were, everybody thought oh man he's going to be able to recruit the safety position it's going to turn great and he would land a good safety here or there that was like a big name but he couldn't stack them yeah no that's very two true. years because... and brandon hall stacked the safety position two years and it is he's stacked. already done it brandon hall's been on staff for 10 months 11 he's months done it. <laughs> and the future of this room is Oh, so bright. And you, you think about it, you're exactly right. I mean, Delarian Turner-Yell was a phenomenal football player at the University of Oklahoma. Phenomenal. I would argue one of the most underrated Sooners of the last decade or two. Agreed. But when he wasn't on the field, you felt it. Yeah. Because the drop-off was that steep yep. between him and everybody else at safety. If you get to a point where say a year from now you're rolling out a core of safeties that includes Bowman and RSJ as the starters. And then you're spelling those guys with the likes of key Lawrence and Macari Vickers and Peyton Bowen. Damon Harmon, who is severely underrated as a player. Like I forget about Damon Harmon. Because he's he's good. He's so quietly good. Watch him. What when you go do the all 22, watch that dude play. He's good, man. 
and I, I, I love him. Like he's an awesome dude. <laughs> he's an awesome football player. I remember watching his high school tape and just falling in love with that dude as a player. Like mm-hmm. you could tell he had it. He put on weight when he was injured, by the way. He's and way you can thicker. Tell. Yeah, you he's can tell. way thicker. He used to be rail thin. Mm-hmm. Like when he showed up, that was the knock on him as a freshman. That was kind of part of the reason that he didn't play a whole lot right off the bat. It's just he yep. was, was too skinny. Mm-hmm. The talent was there. The ability was there. He was just too freaking skinny. Yeah. And now you look at where he is today, and uh, <laughs> thank God that that um, injury he suffered against TCU didn't end up uh, being more severe than it actually was because that was scary for a brief moment in time. But yeah, man, Demont Harmon just another another drop in the bucket for Brandon Hall. Yeah, uh, he's going to have a very easy job over the next couple of years. And and me thinks that there may be some news coming at that position here in the next week or so. Just throwing that out there has nothing to do. I'm not. It's not Peyton Bowen, folks. So go. Don't even go there. I'm glad you said that because that's what everybody was. Thinking. Oh, and I was like, oh, Bowen flipping. <laughs> I don't know that there's a lot of yeehaws. That's what you fans. That was just my 2 a.m. I couldn't think of a uh, uh, anything to go with that excitement. But no, uh, it, it's good news because apparently, and I, uh, this person, I'm not going to say who it is, but this person that should be announcing something here pretty soon. I was talking to somebody that knows about this person pretty well and not just one person, more than one person. And they all say, this dude is going to be, they were, you know what they, they said, and they were around for this. They said, he reminds me of Derek Strait. If Derek Strait was a safety, I said, Whoa, bro. What, how that, how did you get that? And he goes, the source said, hey, he's not ever going to beat you in a race. He's not ever going to outlift you, out agility you, but he's explosive enough. He's actually super explosive. They said super explosive. He's just quick in space. He's real quick in space. And he's going to beat you to the ball. That's what he's going to do. And you know what? I'm hearing you describe Derek Strait. Well, along the parallel of this player that you're referring to. But you know who I'm also thinking of? CJ Colden, who's been arguably your best defensive back over the last few weeks. Uh, Well, the best cornerback. Yeah. but man, I, I I really took notice of that with him tonight. It's one of the things that we talked about for quite some time. Exactly what you said. He's never going to beat you in a race. Mm-hmm. But you watch watch his hips. Watch yeah. CJ Colden's hips. He has more fluid hips than anybody on that roster. And that's what makes him such a good cornerback. He's so technically sound. He's so savvy having played five years of football. He- if anybody like just the, came in the on the tail end of your phrase, what you just said, and they didn't have any context of what you were talking about, it would be homoerotic one-on-one talking about, look how fluid that man's hips are. 
and <laughs> okay, Parker likes him some hips. <laughs> obviously, there is context. There so is context. I understand your your two you thirty a.m. about it was like, well, <laughs> uh, these are these are the thoughts of Brandon Drum at two thirty in the morning. But no, man, like that's <laughs> what here's the thing. This is the type of dude you. Those are the types of dudes you need to build a championship <laughs> secondary. Yeah. No, you're right. No, I, look, I, I think, and look, I'm going to tell you, everybody, this. They're trying their hardest. They're trying their hardest to convince CJ Colden to come back. Like they're trying so hard. Like, hey, dude, come back one more year. You can be this all conference guy that you were at Wyoming and boost your draft stock like what you're doing at the end of the year now you're going to be able to do it for a whole season as the starter because it does seem like woody washington really just has his mind made up no matter what that he's going to leave which is just by the way just stupid just stupid i'm sorry what i love woody great kid but why would you leave when you have a chance to be in your second season in this system? And you've seen what it does has already done for the secondary. The secondary has been good all year. It's been the front that's had its struggles, but the secondary has been good. It. Why would you? Why would you yeah, throw and- that away another year, Parker? You're being able to boost your stock. You're really betting on yourself. If that's what the plan is for Woody Washington. I mean, you are really betting on yourself because I'm not going to sit here and say he can't crack it at the next level. I could be Tony Jefferson. That's great. But his draft stock will certainly improve if he comes back and puts out more. And that's, that's my big thing. Do you have enough tape right now? Yeah. Do you have enough tape for He's NFL been hurt a lot, yeah. scouts and NFL front offices to be able to look at your body of work and say, yeah, we feel comfortable selecting this guy in the middle rounds because mm-hmm. I think a guy like Woody just naturally has a certain ceiling as to how high he can go in the draft. Right. right. He's got he's got his limitations. And that's fine. As long as I think it's work. second round. I think that's as high as he'll go second. Yeah. And I like think late he can second. Get, I think he can get to second round status, but not without another year. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of these. There are so many players, not just Woody Washington. Jaylen there are Redmond. several other players across this roster that <clears throat> seem to be leaning towards taking the next step. And it, also doesn't seem like it's going to be the greatest decision for them in the long run. Can I make so, it can, can I make a guess why? Like just let's talk about it too. Sure. Why do you think that is? Because I I have my idea why I think it is. And I think it has a lot to do with the struggles that are going on right now. And when I say that, I'm not talking about, oh, they're just going to leave because they struggled this year and they're just, they just don't want to feel like they're going to go through that again. No, no. The reason is yes, because of the struggles, but the struggles are because of them. They like the previous regime's way of doing things, the P90X way of working out the, the, 
not showing up to workouts if you don't want to, and there being really no repercussions for it. And that, that, that was going on. Like, if you don't believe that wasn't going on, that's it. That's one of the best freeze frames, by the way, I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and I'm glad I'm not laughing because I wouldn't be able to stop if I started. Uh, <laughs> he looks so high. <laughs> um, but gosh, Parker, you made me lose my train of thought on your freeze frame. But seriously, like they, they didn't, they, they, you know what I'm talking about? Like you've heard the same thing I heard. Like they didn't, people would show up. There'd be certain people that could go do things and other people couldn't. Yep. There was favors and everything. Yep. I think there's a lot of these guys that don't like the structure. They don't and like what it takes to get to that, to be great as a team. And, They're great for I, themselves. And I think what all those guys need to do is collectively take a look at everything that their current or their former teammates who are currently in the NFL have expressed about Brent Venables wish and his regime. Yep. Which is not necessarily wish I would have stayed, but what I would have given to play even one year under Brent Venables. Yep. Because that has been consistent messaging all across the board, most vocally from Nick Benito, right? Nick, yep. Nick Benito has always kind of been like the most vocal on social media about yep. it all. But Arian Winfrey said a few things too. Arian Winfrey said much the same thing. Brian Osamo has expressed the same thing. Delarian Turner Yell has certainly expressed the same thing. And so you look at all these guys that are having success, having immediate success at the NFL level that have been able to step in and contribute professionally. And yet all these guys are going out of their way to say, hey, despite the success I'm having, despite what I've been able to accomplish in the NFL, I can only imagine how much more I would be doing, how much more meaningfully I would be contributing if I'd had the opportunity to develop and learn under Brent Venables and this new Oklahoma staff for even a little while. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Excuse me, man. It's cold. I I I gotta tell you, man. Like it, it's, it just irks me. The names that we've heard that are thinking about leaving, and we're all we're both just like we yeah. talked about it. We just like, why like, why 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 are you throwing away a chance to be like if they return next year? Number one, the Oklahoma's defense is just absurd next year, and. It's something we haven't really talked about to a great extent, but when you look at TCU, all seniors, all seniors across the board, like they are losing. To, and everybody wants to talk about, oh, well, you know, look at what Sonny Dykes is doing. And there's, they're doing so great in year one. And then look at uh, who's another year one, like Lincoln Riley. Look what they're doing. Look how many seniors they have on their team. Yeah. Like, look how many seniors, how many seniors well, does Oklahoma have on their team? Like, legit seniors that, contribute that came into the season that have played a lot of football. Yeah. Not many. Not a whole. And this is something that Brent Venables underscored, right? The fact that, yeah, we, we got a whole bunch of seniors, but a lot of these seniors haven't earned a ton of starting reps, right? Made a ton of starts over the years. And I think as I look at this roster, obviously there are some guys, Braden Willis, Deshaun White, Chris Murray, the like, who can't come back 
right? Their draft stock, their hopes of playing professional <laughs> ball is what it is at the end of the year. And Braden Willis is a guy that's going to hear his name called yep. in the NFL Chris draft. Murray probably is too. Um, but among guys that have the option to return, right now there are two players in my mind right now, two players where they can declare and they can make the jump and it's not a bit of a head scratcher at the very least. And those two guys are Anton Harrison and Eric Gray because Anton Harrison is already a first rounder by many experts grades. And after what he's done this year, Eric Gray just doesn't have a whole lot left to accomplish. And he's got an extensive resume at the collegiate level. When you look at his body of work, not just at Oklahoma, but at Mm -hmm. Tennessee. So you can understand it. If those two guys jump, if anybody else does, I don't know, man, like invariably all across the board with the exception of those two, I don't love it. I do not love it. Do you think Drake Stoops comes back? I mean, he went through senior night. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. OU football tweeted out. Yeah, I saw that. OU football Twitter account earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier this evening, they were like, they they tweeted out a tweet that was basically, it said, last home game for the homegrown kid. And it was focused on Drake (laughs) Stoops. It was very quickly deleted and replaced by a tweet that said, last home game of the season for the homegrown kid. But still, like that, that kind of got me thinking. Because he went through senior night. Yeah. And he did go through senior night. Mm -hmm. Is Drake Stoops done? I think that's something we need to ask. I mean, like, yeah. Now, I, I've long said, I think Drake Stoops is an NFL football player, mm-hmm. and I'll stand by that. Like, I don't know how significant of a contributor he is at the NFL level, but when I look at the things that a guy like Hunter Renfro has been able to do in the NFL, mm-hmm. despite small stature, despite the limited uh, physical characteristics, as it were, um, I think Drake Stoops can carve himself out a really nice NFL career, man. He can New be England the Patriots. He can be the Rams. Julian Edelman. He can be the Cole Beasley. He can be the Hunter Renfro was a thousand yard receiver last year. Mm-hmm. So there's more than a niche for guys like that. Yeah. Slot receivers who are willing and able to do anything and everything that's asked of them. So if Drake Stoops wants to leave, I I don't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. And I think if he does leave, he's gonna find his he's gonna find his place in the NFL. He will. No, I, I'm with you, dude. Like uh, but I don't know that he should leave this year. Like I, I think you come back and you play with Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Arnold. And you see where everything falls because I think Marvin Mims is probably going to come back at this point. I think he had a pretty good idea that he was going to leave at the beginning of the year. And I think just how things have unfolded. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, you heard what he, I played you. I've never played it publicly for obvious reasons but you've heard what he the conversation he and i had like i we recorded it the Mm -hmm. audio's there and paraphrasing you know he pretty much said i don't know that i can leave right now just because it's kind of a sour taste in his mouth of 
how things have unfolded this year. He thought he was going to be able to go out setting the program up on the right foot, winning the Big 12 again, and helping Venables and the staff really get rolling. And then Gundy gets asked to resign or he resigns, however you want to phrase it. And then things just start falling apart. He's had the drops a little bit this year. He's close to a thousand yards. So, I mean, he has that. I think he's, he's got a career high in yards this year. I believe I don't quote me on that 100%. I believe didn't, doesn't he have like almost 800 yards or close to it? Gosh, I, I don't know look. offhand. Yeah, I have to look. But um, my point is, is that he just he's he's very hesitant right now as where he is in the draft. So he wants to talk to his family and see where things go. I know I don't know where that will lead. And by the way, yeah, he is 779. He's got and that. The, this is out of 10 games. So they didn't count tonight's 70 yards that he had. So he's already over 800 yards. So he's, he has a chance to hit a thousand in Lubbock if he has a big game, but yeah, I think that's, that's it. I mean, he's, he's got to figure out If being a fourth or fifth round pick is okay with him, then he leaves. But from what I've heard, and I've told you this, and I heard it from pretty good sources, that if he doesn't get a third round, like guaranteed third round grade, meaning that he could probably move up, or the farthest he would probably fall is early fourth, he's coming back. And right now, I don't know that he's going to get what he what he's desiring as far as the draft grade goes. So it's kind of weird how we're at that time of the season where we're starting to talk about, okay, who's staying, who's going. And then you hear the murmurs of Anton Harrison in the NIL, like Oklahoma throwing out hordes of money for him to stick around next year. Like that's where we're at now in college football, like, and remember, we talked about it before the season started, Parker, that there's going to be kids that normally would have left. But because of NIL, they stay and they play longer. Is what do you think the number would have to be for Anton Harrison to return? I don't know. You I don't, don't have know. a frame of reference. Well, if you think he's a late first rounder, I mean, our frame of reference would be what they are, <laughs> what they get paid on average as a late first or early second rounder. I, I, if that's what we feel that he is. And I don't know that, like, I think he's great. I think he's really good, but is he a guaranteed first rounder? I don't, I can't say that. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that that's a guarantee. Like I could see him being a second or third rounder guaranteed. Like I could, I could go with that. No, yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a guarantee that he's a first rounder, but I also think he's a guy that he will test well enough that he will, if he's not, 
getting great in the first round prior to the combine and pro day, mm-hmm. he will definitely be in that conversation after the fact. Okay. So Oklahoma, let's just hypothetical here. Oklahoma offers him $1.5 million in IL. Does he stay? I think so. Like if if we are talking And that's seven, not out of the realm of possibility, by the way. <laughs> if we are talking seven figures, mm-hmm. why would the kid not stick around another year? And because we're gonna start seeing that. I guarantee you we're gonna start seeing some of that until NIL falls off. You're gonna start seeing kids stick around longer than they should. Yeah. And again, like we, this is brand new don't really have a frame of reference for what the actual numbers will end up being or what they can end up being. But if you're talking about seven figures to stick around and play one more year of college football and potentially put yourself in the conversation to be not just a first round pick, but a top 10 pick, maybe even a top five pick. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world to run it back at Oklahoma. If you're Anton Harrison. So, you know who had a surprisingly good game on defense? Like, when you look back at it, and he did it quietly, by the way. He's a guy that takes a beating from fans every now and then. There are a lot of there are a lot of different that's answers. Fair. To this that, question. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, that's fair. Okay. On the defensive side, he's a guy that takes a beating. Reggie Grimes. No, Reggie didn't. I mean, he didn't have a good game. Okay. I was just thinking guys that took a beating. He had two uh, QB hurries, and this is I'm thinking um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Two 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 tackles, maybe one tackle. Reggie made a couple QB, nice plays that I noticed. Two QB um, hurries. Jalen Redmond had himself a real nice game. Yeah, but he's 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 played well for the most part this year when been, he's been healthy. He's been like the one guy on the defensive front that's played good this year. Okay, so who who are you talking about then? David Aguebu. You're not lying. David Aguebu quietly quietly had himself ten tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, and a couple of QB hurries. And he saved a couple of big plays where uh, he he chased Sanders down across the field and either pushed him out of bounds or tackled him right before he got to the first down marker today. So, I mean, he he quietly, quietly had himself a day. Uh, Danny Stutzman was number two in tackles. With nine tackles, a pass breakup, two pass breakups, excuse me, a QB hurry, and he didn't have a tackle for loss. And it's it's weird because there's there were a couple of guys on OU Insider VIP that were like taking shots at Stutzman today, like he played bad. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, it's like some people, Parker, they just have like a hard on just to just bash that kid for no reason like they want him to fail like that is their goal in life is Danny Stutzman fails and 
I don't know if he slept with their wives or I don't know what he did, but the dude, he's a good kid and he plays, he's played well the last three weeks. Like, what do you want him to do? Like, what more can he do? Or at least the last two weeks, he didn't play great against Baylor. I'll give everybody that. He, he wasn't good against Baylor. But for the most part this year, Parker, he's been good. He's been one of the bright spots on the front seven. Like, it's so weird. Like, like there's always got to be that scapegoat and that, that person that everybody wants to take a baseball bat to for some reason. And it just... It's odd that it's him because he puts up such good stats and he plays so well. I don't know. Um, so who was your player of the game on offense and player of the game on defense? Offensively? I'll give the nod to Drake Stoops, man. Because yeah. he was so good tonight. Yeah. He, he was really good tonight. Arguably the career game. It was a career game Oklahoma because uniform. it was the most catches he's ever had in a game. Yeah, probably the most yards too, right? Like, what's well, the most to, yards? Because had to figure he established was, yeah. several um, career bests tonight. <laughs> so, I mean, if this was his last home game in an OU uniform, he certainly saved the best for last. And I tip my cap to him uh, because he's <laughs> he's a guy that's earned everything he's been given at the University mm -hmm. of Oklahoma. And he never took anything for granted because of the last name on the back of his jersey because obviously that last name carried a bit more significance in Norman America than any other last name that you could have slapped on the back of the jersey. But mm -hmm. Drake Stoops doesn't play meaningful snaps, doesn't start, doesn't catch touchdown passes at the University of Oklahoma because he's Bob's kid. He does it because he's a hell of a football player. Mm -hmm. Um so Def good he earned a scholarship as a freshman midway through his freshman year, by the way. Defensively, give me Deshaun White, man. Like it's a good pick. I, yeah. I and I could I could just as easily hand it to Billy Bowman. Jordan Kelly was another guy that had a really, really nice game. Um but I I said it before, I'll say it again. Deshaun White played one of his absolute best games as a Sooner tonight and uh, had an interception, had a sack. Uh, his just <laughs> He's continually stepped up his quality of play as the defense has scuffled for the majority of this season. Mm -hmm. I will say this, Deshaun White is one guy that has seemed to progressively get better and better and better. I've been pleased with what I've seen from him, and yep. he's making this last go-round count. So I was talking to a source the other day about everything. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. And they said, just randomly, like we were talking about a bunch of guys on the team and they were just kind of going through defensive guys and how such and such is playing and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Man, Deshaun White, nobody plays cheetah like Deshaun White. Like, he is picking it up, and he is so good now in practice. He is just on top of it all the time. And you're starting to see it. I think you you started to see kind of glimmers of it at Nebraska. And then it faded away a little bit. And then Kansas came around, and it 
started shining a little bit more. And then each game it's gotten brighter and brighter and brighter. And now it's just a bright shining star. And that dude is out there doing his thing every week. And I think he needs to time his blitzes. He's a little late sometimes on his blitzes in the timing. But that's a learned trait for some. It's natural for others to learn trait for some. And he's always been kind of a guy that's like Osamoa was just one of the best blitzing linebackers I've ever seen. Like he could just time it perfect. And I think that's where, and I think Danny Stutzman's good at it, by the way. And, um, but Deshaun White's getting better every week at his time in his blitzes. When to go, already having a preset move, knowing how that person's going to attack him and all that. He's getting better and better just through film watch and through repetition. So uh, I, I I agree with you. I think I think he was the best player, but since you named him, I'm going to go CJ Colden. I just that guy, as we talked about earlier, has just started to really progress. And the funny thing is, it was like we were always confused why he didn't play, you know, and Jaden Davis did. And we 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 talked about it like for like the first four or five weeks, like why is he playing so much more? Jaden Davis playing so much more than CJ Golden. The team is different when Colden's in there. It just is defensively, at least in the passing game. And when Davis went down, the defense, and I hate saying this because I, I don't like dumping on a kid or a player. But am I wrong when I say the defense got better when Colden came in? No. No, you're not wrong at all. Okay. I don't feel that dirty. But, yeah, no, he played He played great. Uh, he's continued to play great. He played great the week before and the week before that. He's played really good since Texas. I think Texas. Um, offensively, who you got? I picked Drake Stoops. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. I You picked you picked both. I forgot. See, there's the 2 a.m. spacing out here. Okay, offensively, I will go. I mean, I guess you got to go Eric Gray. <laughs> That's, I mean, there wasn't much more bright spot. I could say Dylan Gabriel. I'm going to go Dylan Gabriel. You want to know why I'm going to go Dylan Gabriel? Just to get underneath the skins of all those people that hate on him every week. Guess what, folks? He can't block for himself, and he can't throw the pass and then catch it for himself. Because guess what? On third down and fourth down, when they need a block or they need a catch, he's done what he's supposed to do. He's put the ball into the hands of the players. I've known Jalil Farouk for a long time, and he's one of my favorite players. Great kid, and that's why I always preface that stuff by saying that because I want y'all to understand that I, I hate, I feel so dirty hating these kids. But he's he just didn't play well today, and he had plenty of drops and just drops and just such bad, bad timing. 
Like just awful timing. Third down. How many third down? He had all three were third down drops, weren't they? Is that correct, Parker? I I know at least two of them were. Yeah, no, I think all three. Yeah, or at least two of three were. But the point is, is just inopportune times. Like you cannot do that. You cannot do that. And then on when they would try to run the ball, there was just missed blocks. Like I can't, and I'm, again, I'm not calling out a player on purpose, but it's just what I noticed. On there was two plays on a third and short and a fourth and short, and Robert Conjol just whiffed on his blocks. Just with, and all he had to do was just stick his butt in front of the guy, and Eric Gray is off to the races both times. Literally, perfect call, perfect everything. Ten dudes doing what they're supposed to do, one guy not, and that's one guy that cost Oklahoma not to get the first down. And that has been kind of the story of the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners. In a nutshell, right there. Ten guys doing what they're supposed to do on a big moment in the game and one guy just saying, F it. I'm taking the playoff. Not, they're not really doing that. But I'm just saying, like, they were just saying, F it. Like, screw this. Mistakes happen. Oh, well. Shoot ourselves in the foot again. I want to go sit over there by the heater. It's cold out here. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. Like, it's just frustrating to watch. So... I just don't like the Dylan Gabriel hate yeah. at all. He isn't Kyler Murray. He's not Baker. He's not Jalen. He's not Caleb. He's not Spencer. We know that. But you just had a run of five quarterbacks that no school has ever had in NCAA history, and it may never be done again. Literally, may never be done again with the run that you you all had at Oklahoma. <coughs> so comparing Dylan Gabriel to five NFL quarterbacks that are probably going to be that are that are first or second round picks all the way through, and Caleb's probably going to be the number one pick when he decides to come out. So three number one picks. A potential NFL MVP this year in Jalen Hurts and Spencer Rattler, who just lit the shit out of, excuse me, uh, Tennessee. Will he throw 63 points up on him tonight? And he had like yeah, 63 six touchdown passes. Six touchdown passes for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, like, and we all know how good he was in 2020 when he was literally focused and on one. So, the guy has a chance, and he had a chance to be the number one pick. Like that's what we're talking about. You're comparing them, him, him. You're comparing Dylan Gabriel to five greats. That's not fair. That's not fair. And I know life's not fair, but you can't expect that from a guy that came from UCF to just come into Oklahoma and be like, "Yeah, there's not going to be a change in." 
competition and he's not going to adjust. Give him time. What if he plays like this next year where there's some struggle? Okay. But Parker, what is he? How many, how many, what's he got five picks this year? And what's he got like 19 or 20 touchdowns? Yeah. That so he's a four to one ratio in touchdowns, interception, and we're griping, and he's like 65% completion. Is this real life, Parker? It is real life. Yes. It's real life, and the dude would probably be 68, 69% if you equated all the drops and crap that's happened to him that he can't control. And he would have how many more touchdowns? What, seven, six, seven touchdowns that were just little drops this year? Like, good God, folks. Leave the kid alone. He got emotional, by the way. Did you see that? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. So we were asking questions, and he started tearing up. He goes, it just gets kind of emotional. Because he has the weight. Of, he kind of talked about you know the weight of the world on him a little bit. It, it was such a great interview. Like, and I, he just sat there and like literally had a conversation with me. Me and Ryan Aber, he just sat there and just talked to us. There's a horde of people around, and he just talked to us the whole time and just looked at us the whole time. And he got emotional. We asked and said the frustrations. It's got to be frustrating to go through everything, the drops, the missed blocks, in inopportune times. <clears throat> and he talked about just how hard it is on him emotionally. Just He just said, I'm just, I just get kind of emotional you know, because these are my brothers and we're trying to fight and correct. And you, he goes, you see it on there and you hurt for that kid because you know, he's capable of making the play. He just didn't concentrate or this or that happened and it, it screwed up. And he said, from a personal standpoint, from a player, from a leader, from a, and that's why I think OU fans need to just lay off this kid because he's leading these kids. He's trying to grow up a, a team that has hardly any experience across the board. Like, yeah, they got the 10 games or whatever, 11 games this year underneath their belts. But when you're going up against teams that have 36, 38, 40 starts across the board, like that's what Dylan is competing with and trying to get these guys to understand. So I get the Dylan criticism when it's warranted because I I do it too. I need your help here. I need your help here, Parker. But do you think that it's overdone by the fan base? Like they're just totally just trying to find somebody and they're like, you know what? He's not as good as all these other great quarterbacks that came through here. So we're going to dump on that guy, even though he's actually really good. Yeah. I mean, of course it's it's overdone. We've talked about this. Like it's, it's done reasonably high standard at the university of Oklahoma. (laughs) Um, That'll regress to the mean in time. It's just kind of unfortunate that Dylan Gabriel has to be the first guy that's part of that. New regression, wave. yeah, 
that regression curve, as it were. And, but they got you got Jackson Arnold coming in. He's there. There's your next, the guy that OU fans can't wait because he's got the elite skill set that they're looking for. But you can win a national title with Dylan Gabriel if things go correct. If your defense is there, like he's not going to lose you a game. Like that's not what he does. He manages. He's a he's he doesn't make game changing mistakes at least I'm knocking on foot there so because he hasn't yet in 11 games <laughs> at least he hasn't particularly cost Oklahoma with his one mistake or something like this is what I'm saying so knock on wood come back to this next week and <laughs> Dylan Gabriel throws a pick six to lose the game for Oklahoma um. Finally, let's talk about it. We got to talk about it, Parker. Mm-hmm. Michael Turk, Mister Engagement. He engaged yeah, he Grace Lyons, and not only that, eleven punts for five hundred and thirty-nine yards. <laughs> Half a thousand yards of punts. He punted a lot more than he should have had to punt tonight. Yeah. But that was just kind of, I mean, that's comes with the territory. When the offense scuffles, you see a lot of the punter. And Michael Turk is one of the nation's best. Uh, very cool to see him uh, get engaged to, of course, uh, OU softball All-American Grace Lyons this evening. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anybody that had a better night, all things considered, than Michael Turk. Yeah. So when he started running down the tunnel, there was this girl that was standing next to us and she was using my charger, my phone charger, because her phone died and she wanted to use it because she had to walk to her car by herself. And I said, wow, he's running fast. What is he going to do? Get an engagement ring? I was joking. And that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. I don't even know why I thought that. I actually thought it because it was senior night, and I just thought it would be just – it just seemed like something he would do. So, (laughs) congrats to him. That's freaking huge, man. I think it's really cool. Uh, And he was really cool about it, too, uh, to let us talk to him about it and kind of pry a little bit into his personal life with him and Grace. And I thought, you know – he understands the public forum that he's on, obviously with his YouTube channel being so huge and just who he is. And I think he uses it for the greater good. Obviously he's a, he's a witness. Uh, he uses it for, uh, to share his faith in God. And I think that is probably the most, not probably it is the most admirable part of, of his, uh, personality and who he is as a player and a person uh it's just his faith and how strong he is in it and how strong both of them are so i think it's just really neat and he's the best punter in college football yeah i don't think it's close yeah dude's gonna make a lot of money bro (laughs) (laughs) a lot of money for like he's gonna punt for like 20 years 
Because he's built like a freaking tank, like a linebacker. So, anyways, all right. Um, I think I look. Congrats to Oklahoma, right? I mean, they're six and six. They get to go bowling. Liberty Bowl was there. Representative was there. Never seen that before in Norman. People made comments on it, and that was funny. But Oklahoma is going bowling six and five on the season, have a chance to be seven to five to close it out, really end on a good note for 2022. And then really put an exclamation point on it. If they can finish out eight and five on the season, if they do that, I think Oklahoma might be one of the darlings going into 2023, honestly, with what they have coming back on top of that, they got the Bedlam trophy. So that's great. Uh, 2028, 13, 28, 13 victory for Oklahoma. Uh, Parker, go ahead and you give the spiel on the YouTube. Yeah. So subscribe to this channel. If you don't already Um, help us help you because uh, especially if you don't uh, have the necessary wiggle room in your budget to be a subscriber over at OUinsider.com. Look, uh, the stuff you're going to get on this YouTube channel will give you a pretty surface level, 30,000 foot view of everything you need to know on OU football and recruiting. If you really want to be in the know, obviously OUinsider.com is the place to be for just a few bucks a month. But uh, there is new content on this YouTube channel almost every single day throughout the week. Uh, we're going to keep pumping it at you guys especially as the off season rolls around we've got a whole bunch of new content ideas that we're going to be uh, executing and rolling out. Uh, the live streams are going to become more frequent. So uh, that gives you guys an opportunity to interact with us in real time, uh, which is unique. Uh, we do those right now, every Wednesday evening. Again, uh, once the off season rolls around, we're going to start doing those uh hopefully more frequently so that you guys have more of an opportunity to fire your questions at us with greater regularity. So uh, click that subscribe button, absolutely free, uh, easy way to make sure that you are getting all of your up to the minute content on OU football and recruiting via YouTube. Yep. Um, yeah, like Parker said, subscribe to YouTube. If you're not a member, though, of OU Insider VIP, it's $1 first month, $9.95 afterwards if you want to go month to month. Or 30% off right now, $75 gets you a whole year. Um, It's worth it, especially with everything that we're about to drop on recruiting. And there's a lot of recruiting nuggets about to be dropped on OU Insider for this weekend. It's one of the biggest... Recruiting weekend, it is the biggest. I literally walked, was talking to a source in the fourth quarter, and they said, how about it? Seven five-stars on campus. Several top 150 kids committed elsewhere on campus. He said, if this is an SEC, I don't know what is. This is how you become one of the elites in the conference you're going to. And they were correct. And that's what Oklahoma's doing. And we're going to have all the notes and nuggets for you starting on Sunday, which is today, because it's 3 a.m. And we're going to have all that coming for you guys on OU Insider VIP throughout the week. It should be a good, fun week for Oklahoma Sooners fans because I think there's some good news coming. So, 
maybe multiple good news. Wink, 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 wink. Um, you know, there might be some whining and dining going on at the uh, in Norman this weekend. I mean that that's exactly what's going on. And then on top of that, they got, you know, by the way, do you think the sound system is a lot better at Oklahoma? I already know what you're trying to do here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's 3 a.m. I'm like trying to do stuff and I can't even do it. All right. Anyways. (laughs) <laughs> your face <laughs> you just leave for it and goes i am not doing this i already know what you're doing <laughs> all right fair enough all right that's gonna do it for the ou insider vip <laughs> under the vice it's not the ou insider VIP. it's 3 a.m damn it man under the ou insider under the visor sooners post game podcast we're never doing it this late again parker ever um Oh, Oklahoma we, we, one. We will. This is not the first time. This certainly will not be the last. I know. And every time it's a train wreck like this. Uh, <laughs> 28 23, Oklahoma beats Oklahoma State and Bedlam. 28 13. Oh my gosh. 28 13. Gosh dang it. I told you that off camera. I was going to get it wrong because I can't freaking talk right now. I'm so tired. All right. Yeah. Yeah, we're done, folks. We are done. We're going to go to bed. 28-13, Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Uh, again, if you're not on OU Insider VIP, $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards. 30% off right now, $75. Get you a whole year, and it'll get you all of VIP across the board of 24-7 sports. Texas, Alabama, Georgia, USC, A&M, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Arkansas. It doesn't matter. If it's an Oklahoma, if it's a NCAA football team and they've got recruiting going on and they're going head to head with Oklahoma, you can go check out and see what they're doing and find out what's what's going on across the board and be in the know, be the most NCAA football knowledge fan that there is because you're a part of 24/7 Sports and OUinsider.com. Again, if you're not a YouTube subscriber, subscribe. All right, that's gonna do it for this version of the OU Insider and Advisor Sooners Post Game Podcast. For Parker Thune, my name's Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed day, and we'll see you guys on the flip side on Tuesday, I believe, or Wednesday, excuse me, for the live. And then we'll see you for the podcast, pregame podcast for Texas Tech. And you guys have a very, very, very happy Thanksgiving from the OU Insider staff. See you.